Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello and welcome to this topical life. Um, we have a special guest today because you know all our guests are special. Um, I'm particularly excited about this one because his name is Ben Rose and I've known him from a distance per se, um, but I'm excited because like you, you're meeting him for the first time. I am meeting for him for the first time. And we are we have a heavy topic, a heavy topic that is seriously needs to be talked about. Um, and... I mean, I'm just completely blown away by Ben's vulnerability and transparency. I just think that that is one of the qualities that I truly admire about people. And um, and I think listeners do as well, um, because we want to know the truth and we want to know um, what has gotten someone from point A to point B. And uh, we want the truth. So anyway, Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, born and raised in Alaska. Woohoo. Pastor's kid. PK. PK. And um, we, I'm married. I've got three kids. I have a 16 year old, a 13 year old, and a 10 year old. And uh, my wife and I create giant humans. <laughs> and so, my, my uh, 16 year old is 6'5, and oh, wow. eighth grader is, is six foot. And we just, yeah. So we just, we, we um, do a, we do a we good clear, job. We should clarify that your wife is not huge. No, my wife um, is she's quite petite. Quite. Yes. She's, she's, she's about five nine. So she's, she's, she's listening. Got some to, okay. She's got height. So yeah. I mean, she's listening to this. I don't think anyone. You know. Tall, 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 humans. tall, tall humans. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we were pastoring in Alaska, um, together for about 12, 13 years. Okay. And then we just felt like we were supposed to come to Portland and to plant a church about seven and a half years ago. And so we, uh, we moved down here and, uh, just, it was going great. Seven months of planting the church and we were filling up our living room and then had to move to another space. And, and, um, we were having preview services and, you know, people were getting excited and we had an incredible launch team and, um, we launched the church on January 20th, 2013. And 10 days later we were fired. Oh, Yes. And that's when from your own church, from our church, that's when, that's when this story really, um, really starts actually. Okay. And we had, so back up to second grade, I had a sexualized experience with another boy in second grade and two boys being curious and left alone and, um, really, didn't know where to file that one. As a second grader, I didn't know what, what shelf to put that book on. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't know how to talk about that. Didn't know who to talk about that with. Um, probably if you're around my age, which is, I'm 40, just turned 40. Congratulations. Which is the new 20, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's or what I Or 19. Or yeah. <laughs> so. Um, right behind you there, buddy. Yep. yep. Okay. And so anyways, I, I think our parents, at least my parents, uh, weren't equipped because of their parents to talk about, you know, sex and to talk about, I call it, we call it sexual discipleship. We weren't discipled in that. We weren't, it wasn't talked about. It was almost like it's really, really, really bad if you're not married and it's, it's good if you are married. 
so there's so many questions and there's so, you know, there's so much um, shame that surrounds that. And I think one of the, you know, in spiritual terms, I would say the enemy um, always wants to, to isolate us and make us think that we're the only ones dealing with what we're dealing with. And then, you know, shame can come and guilt about our actions and shame is feeling bad about who we are as a person that can really enter in and, you know, really wreak havoc on, on a second grade's mind. And so I say that that's when I feel like a hook got in me, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was, I was hooked. And for the next 25 years, just, I felt hyper aware towards, um, you know, I could walk into a house and go, you know, there's pornography in this house and, you know, and try to find it. Or, um, you know, my friend and I, when we were, fourth, fifth grade broke into a house to steal a Playboy magazine. Just felt hypersexualized. And again, feeling like we were the only, like I was some sort of an outlier, an outcast in all this. And so shame, you know, when we have, when we feel shame, we engage in activities that will confirm how we feel about ourselves. That's the cycle mm-hmm. of shame, you right. know, that, which some people call it a binge purge cycle. And so when you feel unwanted or when you feel shame, you engage in those activities that kind of really confirm ultimately how you feel about yourself. Even if in the moment you're like, there's such hatred toward that activity or what you're doing or acting out or whatever that looks like. So, so yeah. And then, you know, because I, I grew up in church and because I, you know, loved Jesus and, you know, had a relationship with God, obviously this is a very incongruent lifestyle to have. Like here I'm acting one way, um, not wanting to, no, exactly. Not wanting to confused. I remember I tried to tell a kid one time, a buddy, like what I was dealing with. And he was like, Oh, gross. And I was, <laughs> How old are you? I was probably like junior high. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of make a vow. Like it's interesting that he would say gross. Yeah. You know what? The truth is, is that he was struggling with the same dang thing because well, no one says gross, which is funny. Years later, he actually, came to me when I was, you know, in a pastoral position to, to disclose that he had been dealing with, See? you know, pornography and stuff. And so I was like, okay, dude, that really was not cool. So, so I was right. You were right. Yeah. You were right on the money. And so, um, yeah, just, just growing up in this, just growing up, living incongruent, going to lots of altar calls, drawing lots of lines in the sand and saying, this is the last time I'm going to do this. Next time this happens, I'm going to tell somebody, um, you know, you just, you, you begin a pattern of lying to yourself, you know, and over time, just your word, it gets really flimsy. And, uh, so yeah, just a pattern of lying. Can I ask you something? Yeah. So when you were, um, this whole experience when you were in second grade, did you feel at that time that you couldn't tell anybody? Yeah, totally. Okay. So you kind of had like, cause you said that you're, that it, the way sexual things were talked about, you didn't really necessarily know that about in second grade, but you just kind of felt like, okay, that you automatically felt shame. Automatically. Automatically. Yeah. And so this friend, did you guys, were you friends more or like? Best friend for years. Okay. Best friend for years. Is this something that you struggled with? Like. No, not, not. So that's a one and done deal. Um, it was just, a, it was seasonal. It was, it was just okay. for, I don't know if it was a matter of weeks or months or whatever it was. And then moving forward, we would just do sexually devi- deviant things together. Not, not physically together, but you know, broke into the house. 
oh, okay. would try to find, you know, pornography, would watch the scramble channel that every once in a while would have a, you know, there would be an image on there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely an unhealthy, there was an unhealthy kind of connection that was always there towards, you know, I would say sexual things. Yeah. But him and I never, that, that kind of relationship didn't continue after, after probably about second grade. Um, but that's, with, that's a good question though. It will. And what's the, okay. So I can be honest with you too. Like, I never, I did not think I was going to be like, okay. So, but with this, this person, was this person, cause it doesn't sound like you were sexually abused. No. Okay. Was this person like, how did it ever be introduced? I, I don't know. Okay. So- I, I think we were in a home. I think there was sexual um, brokenness in the family line. Okay. In their family. And so we're here, we're in a home and people are leaving us alone. And cause we said we have to, we wanted to go take a nap as second graders and nobody came to ch- like whatever was, was in that atmosphere or that home or, or whatever. It yeah. was almost like, yeah, that's, that's a good, I, I haven't really, I haven't really considered that to be honest with you. That's a good question. Well, it's, it's just like, where are these things born from? Okay. Yeah. So for the instance, for instance too, is like for myself, like it's not just guys that necessarily struggle with this, with this issue. Correct. Girls do too. Correct. So, um, have I looked at porn and all that kind of stuff? That's not really my, my jam per se, or it hasn't been like super temptation, but I can tell you this. I feel like when I was young, I was like more aware of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Like nothing in my home necessarily would have said that. Um, in fact, my family was actually very open about all that stuff, but not to the point of like, well, I don't know how to describe it. Honestly. I mean, it was kind of morally, it was different, but I always, I felt I felt a calling to not be sexual. However, I felt like I understood it yeah, more than probably most or something like that. Maybe curious. Okay. So like the reason why I ask all that or say all that is because at a ripe young age of second grade, I mean, there are people, kids that developmentally explore and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So I would say I did a little bit of that myself. Yeah. So that's why I was like, okay, well, well and that's, and, and come to find out later on in counseling, uh-huh. cause we went through two years of counseling with you and your wife, my wife and okay. I, and this is later on in the story. I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, as I'm telling him the story, he's just like, that's actually pretty normal. What, what can happen between just two curious boys that are finding out or girls, you know, finding new anatomy and, and, and yeah. how things work. And, and, um, but I, I didn't know that that was, that was a semi like normal kind of experience. Right. And, you know, had there been, um, you know, like we have, when our kids were, were younger, our counselor had us set up like family meetings with our kids, which laid the foundation for a lot of transparency in our home. And I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, yeah. but we didn't have any of those kind of mechanisms to be like, Hey, we're having a family meeting. And the first rule of family meeting is we're going to have fun and whatever stays in, you know, whatever said here stays here and you can't get in trouble for anything you say in family meeting. And so our kids have disclosed things to us that, that had I maybe had um, that mechanism in my home, I could have said, hey, this this happened. 
I don't know where to file this. This is really confusing. And and knowing that I wouldn't be in trouble. That's a huge takeaway. Huge. That is huge takeaway for people listening to just even knowing what to do with your own kids. Yeah. And figuring out all the lies that they're telling themselves. Totally. And you're taking away the punitive aspect of it where, you know, we don't like, as, as humans, we don't like punishment, obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially yeah. kids. Yeah. It's like the fear factor. Like, yeah. They have a lot of fear of. Yeah. And so if they, if they can know that, if they can know that. So true. That this is a safe place to share anything. And, you can't get and in trouble. You can't get in trouble in in this space. Okay. And and we had our kids disclose, actually, there was sexual um, abuse going on to my son who who later disclosed to us. There was a boy in first grade who was putting his hands down my son's pants and grabbing him. And my son is a rule follower and was not about to like make a deal about it. And it probably froze. And, um, you know, so this a rule follower because he felt like what was happened was wrong, was wrong and, or didn't want to bring attention to it or didn't, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what, what it was, but he felt such shame about it. And so it was in a family meeting one time, and I, we're on a rabbit trail, I know, but this no, is... No, no, no. There's no, this, there's this no such how, thing as rabbit trails. Okay, so I'm a okay. professional rabbit trailer, just FYI. Okay, okay. You'd be surprised so, you're not the only one. <laughs> so, so he says, you know, and he starts, um, he starts getting emotional. And he says, I have to tell you guys something. And he's in fourth grade at this time. And he's like, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. And he's like, am I going to be in trouble? Am I going to be in trouble? I mean, he's like oh getting gosh. emotional because, because shame has just been riddling his little spirit. And he says... Um, and he, so he tells us, and he's like, am I in trouble? Am I in trouble? And we're just like, you know, my wife and I, I'm probably bawling at this point, and we're just holding him, and just we love him, and, you know, talking with him about this. And, and um, But if it wasn't for that mechanism that we learned, mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, would've he, he could have grown up with this hook and this open door. You know, wherever there's secrecy, wherever there's darkness, wherever we're hiding things, the enemy has access to... Um, keep going to those places. And I, I imagine like a pile of rocks and, and it's like the secrets and it's like the things that are hidden, undisclosed, um, things that are, you know, full of shame and guilt and condemnation, all those things and sins of omission, commission, every, and just all the negative things that, that are in the inside. And I just imagine the enemy can take those rocks and just lob them at us at any time. And um, so what disclosure does and, and what confession does is it just de-weaponizes, you know, the enemy from having those, Hooks. you know, those, those things to lob at us, the accusation and all that stuff. So getting into the habit of that, um, when the kids were little, you know, I, I didn't have that. Right. And so, uh, so I feel like we could, we can be better equipped to cut things off at the pass with our kids. So, mm-hmm. well, and that's a huge, yeah huge thing and then but back to your yeah your hook that you were talking about was was from that point on in second grade and then progressed to middle school breaking into you know yeah I, I it was weird I I you know acted out a little bit with some girlfriends in high school didn't have sex um, for some reason that was like the the that thought of premarital sex still I think maybe as a pastor's kid and uh, you know, who I was and how I've been raised, that was still like a very um, sacred, you know, I didn't want to break that rule. But I'll but, do everything in between. Yeah, but messed around in high school <laughs> and, you know, girlfriends and, you know, lots of lots of fantasy, lots of, um, yeah, just all, everything that goes along with that, 
you know, acting in. And I, I grew up in a, in a small town in Alaska. And you, I've taken some friends back, you know, the last few years or, or we'd have people come visit us and they can't believe how like, you know, everybody in a small town. So you go to Fred Meyer and it's like, you're hugging people and you're seeing people and it's just, so I was always like afraid to act out, you know, to really oh. act out in a small town. Cause I, like I knew I'd get back to my dad. Like I smoked pot one time in high school yeah, and it was like instantly like my parents knew you know, oh, yeah. just cause it's a small town sure. and it's like, Hey, we got the pastor's kid high and, um, <laughs> goal so, accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Done. And so, <laughs> so I, I, you know, a lot of acting in though. And, um, which I don't know if I can say the word masturbation on a podcast. Is yes, that, is that legal? That is okay. Freedom of speech. Fre- freedom of speech. Okay. Yes. You can say, all we actually had an accountability group one time and we had a, a guy in there who, um, who had um, Asperger's. And, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. and so high, <laughs> high functioning, super smart, multiple languages. They, always. It just amazing. Knew everything about airplanes and and it, just amazing. And so we're talking about, we're having a, one of these groups and you know, we're talking about the M word in accountability. And if you grew up in the church, you know a lot of those accountability groups were just a joke. Um, how you doing? Good. Doing good. I'm really struggling right now. And you know, there's not a lot of accuracy and not a lot of like, it's kind of <laughs> no silly, details. no details. And you know, we're not an- anatomically correct. And, um, and he said, well, we could use the French word for masturbation, um, as our code word for check-ins. And we're like, that's a great idea. What is it? And he was like, masturbation. And I'm like, ah, you know, I think, <laughs> I think people will be on to us then. So that was funny. You're not tattooed on that. Yeah. You don't have a tattoo of that, do you? No, okay. no, no, I don't. Phew. Yeah. So, so yeah, so life progresses. Um, now I'm in like a leadership role at, at the church. I'm. Um, and this is how old now? I'm a, let's go. Let's jump to like 18. Okay. So I go away, try to run away from God a little bit and start working on a yacht. The Yachting Life, mm. which should be my, my podcast, The okay. Yachting Life. Okay. So in Alaska on a yacht, um, just experience like debauchery, right, on this yacht. Like it's like not a good lifestyle. Um, my dad's like come back, come to our internship at the church and came back. It was like, okay, that, that living for myself, live, that's like, that's not for me. So I come back, come to this internship, kind of s- jump into leadership all the while, I'm still, there's still this secret. There's still this thing that, you know, there's momentary victory. And that's, that's the thing about, about this. And I want to say this is that just because you're experiencing fruitfulness in one area of your life doesn't negate the fact that you still need to have complete total transparency in another area. Mm-hmm. So I, I often tell guys, like, if you've pulled the pin on sexual brokenness, like the grenade will go off. It's not if, it's, it's when. And so not, so don't mistake fruitfulness in one area of your life to say, well, I don't need to deal with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I, so I, you know, there's good things happening. There's a lot of good, good things happening, you know, leadership and I'm coming into the youth ministry and and helping lead that. And then my dad is just like, um, Ben, you're going to be the youth pastor. I need you to step up to this. So I step up to be the youth pastor, like 18, 19 years old. Like how ridiculous is that? when I think back on it. Um, and so 
you know, all this, this time just still saying, God, take this away from me. God, I don't want this anymore. Next time it happens, I'm going to tell somebody this is the last time. All these things, right? And so there's, you know, and then, and then, then I, here I am talking to young people about relationships with like zero authority because right. I'm, I don't have freedom. You know, I have theological freedom, but I don't have freedom. Right. So meet my wife and I'm like, surely it's going to stop when I meet right. my wife. Right. You know, so you have milestone. So if any, uh, anyone who's listening, if you're using milestone statements, like, okay, once summer hits, I'm going to X, Y, Z. Okay. Once I get married, sir, you know, surely when I have kids, this is going to stop. And I just blew right past all those milestones. Um, and that's, and that's, a, that's normal. That's a normal story for people because milestone thinking doesn't work to try to stop this. Would you say that it got worse? Totally. Yeah, when we build, which is a big thing. When we build legal structures around anything, we end up usually screwing it up more. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's almost like works for you backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So you were actually making it stronger. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's a big... That's why, that's why, I mean, again... For I'm going to go back to a biblical analogy here, like the Old Testament. That's why the law was given to show us that we needed something beyond the law because it made us want to to sin. It, it, so anyways, a ladder of legalism will never get us out of the pit ever, ever. So, you know, I'm putting all these laws on myself and milestone thinking and it's nothing's working. So then the iPhone comes out, 2007 smartphones come out. And all of a sudden something that had to be like, a little more sought out was all of a sudden just heightened. Mm, you know, here you, here you had a pornography device, a portal in your hand. And, um, and so, yeah, so pornography and then, and you know, the thing is, um, I, I say this a lot, like lust is never satisfied. Like lust never pushes away from the table and says, you know, I'm full. I've had enough. Lust always demands more. And what, satisfied lust in a in a past season doesn't satisfy lust moving forward so it just it demands more if we don't if we don't expose that if we don't bring that to the light and so um you know things started to escalate as far as you know flirtation flirtation with other women like you know fantasies i don't you know i, I didn't have an affair i didn't sleep with anyone but i but i certainly had like emotional affairs i've certainly had um kind of those things happening, going on in the background. And my wife would ask me, you know, hey, what's going on with this? And I'd say, no, no, you know, when you're protecting, when you're protecting um, this secret in your life, you have to spin so many plates. You have to keep people away from it. You've got to lie. You've got to exaggerate. You've got to manipulate. You've got to control. Like there's this false sense that you're controlling. And so, you know, my wife knew something was going on, but I, I made her feel crazy Cause I was like, like, no, there's nothing going on, babe. Like, um, and she was probably the number one person you wanted to protect per se. Totally. Which is like works another huge rock in the middle of it all. Oh yeah. It's like the number one person you wouldn't want to hurt. Totally. Is the number one person that you're hurting. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's so screwed up, but it's it, so real though. It's so how it is. It, it is. It is. And, and the thing is, is you're not protecting that person. And I just had a I just had a guy tell me recently, um, I you know, he was talking about why he didn't disclose something um, in the first place. He said I wanted to protect her. I was like, no, dude, you're harming, you are harming her. 
you're harming her. And, and, um, cause some, something's going on. It's stealing. It's number one, it's stealing intimacy, right? right. Like emotional intimacy, like misplaced intimacy. So if there's intimacy, like we, we're, we're created for intimacy, I, you know, and as a believer, and I don't know where you're at, but as a believer, like we are created for intimacy with our heavenly father. We're created for intimacy in relationships with people. We're created for intimacy with our spouse, you know, emotional, sexual, all of the things. And so when there's, when there's stolen intimacy or misplaced intimacy, we find that in something else and it really does steal from the other areas. You know, it steals from emotional intimacy, um, sexual intimacy, you know, and sex can just become more of a physical act, you know, than it, than it is actually the intimacy that it was meant to be and how, you know, God intended to use sex in marriage. So, well, and yeah. your wife too, that she, obviously there was evidence of that because she was asking, okay, what's going on? Yeah. Like she wouldn't have asked that if she felt like something wasn't not being totally right. So yeah. she knew something was off. Yeah. So isn't it inter- like, it's kind of interesting to know that that mm-hmm. is evidence of that actually being that way. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, and so, um, yeah, we're like, let's see, where should we pick the story up from? So yeah, so just, it just, life goes on and life goes on and it just keeps, um, it just keeps happening, happening <laughs> more and more and more, more and more. And so we, we, we moved, yeah, exactly. We moved to Portland partially. I'm like, you know, maybe a change of scenery, you know, we felt like God did, did put it in our heart to come down here and plant a church. And so we planted the second location of a church out of Hillsboro here in Tigard, Oregon. And, um, yeah. And so I told you about those seven months, but in those seven months where cool things were happening and people, you know, relationships were forming and a church was forming. Um, I was spiraling out of control in the background. So I get to Portland and it hits me. Oh my gosh, I'm anonymous here. I don't know anybody in Fred Meyer. Ah, I don't know anybody in Costco. Floodgates. Oh, it's totally. And so I, and then I'm driving around Portland and I'm like, oh geez, there's a lot of adult establishments here. Right. There's a lot of places where I could go and nobody would know. And so, man, I spiraled out of control for, for seven months. And, um, you know, there's, there were websites at the time that, that, um, in Portland, that highlighted the underbelly, you know, the sexual underbelly of Portland. And so, you know, I'm texting people and I'm, you know, going to meet people. And I mean, so to the point where I I was like going to meet people and then I would leave. So I wouldn't even go through with it, but it was just the rush and the high of, of like the the dopamine drop, you know, the chemical drop. It was, and then I would leave and then I would like mask it with, you know, wow, look at me. I just, I, I got out of there. Like deception. Okay. Oh wait. Tiffany, so like decept- all holier. Like- totally. <laughs> I know that sounds, no, that right. sounds, that sounds it's, silly. It's called justification. Yeah. It's called justification and it's called deception. Okay. And I was like in massive deception. And the thing about deception, well, and you, when you're uh, in and it. to your credit, you also didn't want to be there deep down. I didn't know. I didn't. Right. So, so you- yeah, totally incongruent lifestyle. Totally. Right. And so. Which makes me sad. 
it's really sad when I, 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 yeah, it was horrible. It was a horrible place to be life. It, it, it stole so much mental, emotional, spiritual Crap. capacity. Right. Yeah. Sucks. It did. It <laughs> did suck. And so, you know, then I ended up going to a massage place. I did that twice. And, and that was like the last straw. Yeah. Like, so like the next day, in fact, the next day, the guys that I was working with, um, they were, they were talking about, well, okay, no, this is kind of fun because I can get a little deeper into the story here. Okay. So this one night, one of the pastors of the other locations says, Hey, let's hang out. And usually when we would hang out, we would have like a ton of fun laugh. I mean, we would just, we would have a ton of fun with these guys. And he's like, Hey, let's, I just watched this documentary. Let's watch this documentary on Ted Haggard. Ted Haggard was a a mega church pastor in Colorado Springs that was caught living this lifestyle, um, totally incongruent with sexual addiction and, and stuff. And, um, he was the head of the evangelical movement. Like he was a big, huge name that got caught in a scandal. And Nancy Pelosi's daughter did a documentary, I think for HBO on him. And so I sat here and watched this and it was like watching myself in, in a, a number of years if I didn't deal with this crap. Oh. And so here we are usually having fun and I'm watching this documentary. <sighs> wanting to Yeah, wanting vomit. to vomit. And realizing that he didn't have anyone to he didn't have anybody to tell this to. And you know, there's a, a hook got in him, mm-hmm. I believe in junior high. I think he played a female role in a play or something, and so some stuff just got just got really off in him and and uh you know here he is pastoring a, a mega church and, and you know in charge of humongous organization and he's i think you know just doing you, you know you can go read about it i don't want to talk too much about it on here but anyways it's just crazy and um and so i'm just like okay whoa and then the next day we're at we're at an indian restaurant for lunch so wait, just so this is in Portland. This is in Portland seven years ago. Seven years ago, planting the church. Planting the church. You were about this was okay. Yeah. But this is like five weeks, five or six weeks before we're to plant this church. Okay. Okay. Great timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> and um, you know, I've just acted out. I mean, and and to the point where I like I. You know, I got in the car. I'm. I'll be super transparent. I just like screamed. I just like. I, I screamed on the way to, I was picking up somebody from the airport early in the morning and I'd stop by somewhere on the way to the airport. And I just was like, I was so like God and I was praying ridiculous prayers. Like, and I felt like, like my prayers were coming out of my mouth, like lead weights and just going, you know, just like falling to the ground. And I tell people, I felt like God had me in a, like a greasy, a greased funnel and there was no way out. Like I was just, on my way to disclosure and confession and like dealing with this thing once and for all. So we're in this Indian restaurant and we're eating and, and, he, and the pastor just out of the blue says, you know, if I ever found out about somebody and what they were doing, like it's, he said it would be totally different than if they came to me and told me what they were going through. And he gave an example of like a sexual broken experience in another church. And I was like, I got up and I went to the bathroom and I literally felt sick. 
I was just like, and they were probably like, oh, the Indian food didn't sit very well with him. But um, like that too. <laughs> so we got we got in the car, and on the way back, I started crying. I started like I started disclosing, totally iceberg confessional, totally BS. But I but I felt like I had to get something out. Like I was just I was a wreck. And um, like iceberg confessional mean like meaning like telling the top, but there was way more underneath right. the surface. Right. You know, way more. And so we, we go back to the office and they start grilling me and I really start, I really tell about like one incident. Um, can I ask you this? Yeah. Were, were these your like co-pastors? Yeah. Okay. These were like, no, this is like the pastor of, of the organization and, and another guy. Okay. And another, so you were starting the church together. I, I was starting the second location. So he was over okay. the entire organization. Okay. Okay. And that's who you were talking to. Yes. Then, okay. So you get back to the office. office. Yeah. And disclosure starts to happen. Okay. And, but I'm. Like you start spilling it. Start confessing. Okay. But remember, and, and for the listeners, I want you to, you know, think about this, that this is a process. Like, like living a lifestyle of, in, of integrity and of openness and letting the light into every area. It's a process because, so for 25 years, I've been hiding. I've not been disclosing. I have I have worked really hard at keeping this from everybody. And and that to the point of like think of like every time I hand my laptop to somebody to do work on it. Like I have to go through a process of thinking are they going to see pornography on this? Have I deleted everything? Have I deleted all my browser history? Have I have I deleted do you, like so this has been a big part of my life is hiding, you know? I told the guys Monday night because I'm teaching a class right now Monday night. Um, and I said, you know, I said, if this was years ago, I'm pointing to the power, like the, the screen, I'd say I would be scared because I would have these thoughts of like, what if porn came up on the screen? Right. During, during like a service or during something. Or if I hand my wife my phone, is she going to see something? And so, so, so my life has, has, so much of my life has been about hiding and, and manipulating and, and exaggerating and really trying to control what everybody, how everyone saw me right. and what everybody thought about me. So this process of, of, you know, unloading and disclosure, disclosure and confession, this is like a new muscle that I, that I haven't flexed before. And so like I changed the date to make it, I like put the date further back than when it happened. And I said, it only happened one time. It's like somehow that was like better, but in my mind it was. I think subconsciously you're probably trying to see how the reaction is. Yeah, and I'm still, I'm still, like, I'm still like trying to manipulate and scramble and you know play. Of course. The, and well, uh, I mean, I mean, to your credit, in a sense, it's like, I mean, not credit to that. It just that's a lot to say. Yeah. In the totally. position that you're in, and I think that there is something wrong with. I mean. I want someone around me to be able to tell me something like that. Yeah. So what is it about the organization that would make, you know what I mean? Like that's important too. Yeah. So yeah, I could see why in your position you're like, okay, let me just test the waters and see where this yeah. goes and let's just see where it really goes. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, that's, that's true. Come on. I mean, that's true. You're not going to be like, I've been addicted for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not going to happen like that. Well, it was funny too. Cause like later on, um, you know, stuff, stuff, um, you know, kept coming out 
Because when you open that door, like you've been hiding and, and concealing and trying to like, I often think of it as like, if you go to a party and you see somebody that, that you're like, oh man, they're here. You know they're there the whole night, but you try to position yourself in a room to try to like keep them in your peripheral and not to like to run into them or you're just, that's what I'd done this with my, with my whole life. And so there was a lot of like forgotten things. And maybe this is a good time to share. When I was a kid or when I was younger, I I got an image, I, I think dropped into my, into my, um, my brain. And I think it was a God thing. And it was like, like if you're ever going to be free from this, Ben, you're going to have to cross the Island. And I knew right away what that meant. Um, there's an Island outside of my hometown called Admiralty Island. And it's the seventh largest Island in North America. And it's, um, there's one Brown bear per every square mile. What? And like the, the native name for the Island is called, um, I think it's called Kutsnuu and it means fortress of the bears. Like, so it's this crazy Island, right? Yeah. Never going there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's actually a town on there. There's a little, wow. there's a village, a little, a native village on there. But so I, I just, I had this thought of like, until I square my shoulders up to this thing, until I face this thing head on and cross this thing, um, I, I won't be fully free. I'll never be fully free. So we had, we had some influential people that would come to our church to speak in Alaska when I was a kid. Okay. And you know, people that were doing what I felt like were big things, you know, around, around the world, around the United States. And they sit down at my parents' table and I was the kid that didn't want to go play with the other kids during this time. I wanted to hear what the adults were talking about. Like I was kind of glued into the conversation and they would talk about things. Um, and I just, I noticed that they had all walked through deep waters. They'd mm-hmm. all had something happen to them that was difficult. Maybe it was, you know, a death, maybe it was a financial, some, they'd all walked through deep waters and ultimately God had used that to cultivate within them greatness, you know, yeah, as, you saw it. as is the case in, in life, you know, and I remember being a kid and making like an inner vow. Now this is bizarre. This might trip you out. I remember thinking, God, I want to be great for you. I want to do great things around the, like, I want to impact a lot of people, but I, I don't want it to be hard. I don't want it to hurt yeah. as a kid. I'm making an inner vow that I like God, I want this to be pain free. No one wants to walk through uh, through pain. A, a, I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. So, so that's that, that was had become the the blueprint for my life is to try to go through things pain free, and to to not face anything head on. And so I just knew, like, but intrinsically. In my spirit, I just knew that like I would have to do that, and I just I just put it off for so long. So here I am, on this couch in this office, finally squaring up, finally facing this thing head on, and um, terrified. Sure. So I get I gave a partial confession, and um, oh, another part of that the, the ministry, or what's become a ministry across the island is. 
um, the visual of circumnavigating, of going, it's a nautical term that means to go round and round and round. And I'd realized that in my life, I had just been going round and round and round, trying to keep my boat from touching that shore, trying to do everything I can not to hit that island. And so, um, so yeah, so I was done circumnavigating. And, and so then it was like, okay, Ben, we're really proud of you. They, they responded so well. Good. We're really proud of you. You know, good job. Here's parameters. Here's guardrails. You know, which were which were great. Um, then we were in San Diego, and one of the pastors on staff had a dream that I had done it again. What? Yeah, they had. A, they actually had a dream that it happened again, and so the conversation kind of came up, and and I think the three guys that were involved in the conversation were like he's not telling us the whole truth. Like it just hit them. Like he's not, this is not the whole, the whole thing. And so, um, they confronted me again. And at that point I just started to disclose more and more started coming out. So, um, yeah. So we had, and that was like on a Wednesday before launch Sunday. And, and, and they said, you got to tell your wife. And so that night I disclosed to Heather, Wednesday Wait. before launch Sunday. Okay, so you disclosed everything Wednesday yes. to those guys, and then mm. that night to your wife. To my wife. Yeah. It's that like was a moment of silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Can we play taps during this <laughs> section? So that happened. That happened. Um, yeah, obviously, that was incredibly difficult. Sure. You know what's crazy, though? And, and my wife is just has become such a, a ninja with helping ladies who have been disclosed to. It's part of her ministry and what she does is in that moment. Well, here's, here's something funny. This is really, actually, this is hilarious. Um, I, so I, I get done telling her and she says, the first thing she says, she, she used humor and I thought this was hilarious. She said, well, looks like you can't be president now. <laughs> That's like the first thing she said. That's and like, like, come, sh- and like shock, yeah. shock and yeah. Oh, and like, like the, what the funny thing is, is I think we've seen now that maybe I can become president. Right, well, there ironically, we there could be there. Could I, be I don't chance. think that's a, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I don't think that's a there's a flag. A, there. There's a chance. There's a chance. So, so no, so we, so, so we disclose this, and you know, I disclosed to her. Obviously, it's very difficult. She in, she she like right away though, felt like she was supposed to steward my heart well. She's like, okay, he is like presenting this broken heart. And she's like, okay, he, you know, like. Yeah. Take as much time as you need. <clears throat> that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Whew. Um, so it's real, she, it's real Ben. Yeah. It's real. She. Can she say she, her name? Heather. Heather. She's amazing. Shout out. Shout Shout out. out. She, um, she just, she just knew that that I was, she, she, here's what she said. She said, um, Ben's a good dad. He's a good husband. Ben loves Jesus. Ben loves people. He loves me. Um, so basically she just had, she just knew she's like, if he's willing to, to do this, then he's in it for the fight. Like we're going to win. Yeah. And, um, and it was like. Like she had a couple of pictures just right away. She she was like, okay, sin is not Ben and Ben is not sin. Like they're not the same thing. 
the enemy got a hook in him. And so she was able to distinguish me from this pattern of living that, that I really didn't want to be involved in to like who I wanted to be. She was able to distinguish that and go, okay, if he was this before that, then how much better is he going to be free from this? You know, and that's, right. that's an amazing perspective to have right away. It is. Cause I know, I know people that have disclosed like pornography and I'm not, I'm not discounting the massiveness of pornography, but pornography is just something that's happened to cover really out of trauma and wounds. A lot of time pornography comes in and provides a, an escape, you know, so if we can get to the root of things through, through disclosure and confession, you know, we can, we can, a lot of times we can, um, defeat pornography, you know, there can be victory over pornography. So, so, you know, there's been people that have found out their husband's looking at pornography or vice versa. And they're, they're like packing their bags and getting ready to leave. Right. You know, they're like, peace, we're out. That's that, you know, that's it. That's like too much of a violation. So for her to have this gracious perspective and this response was just, you know, I didn't deserve it whatsoever, but she freely gave that. And, and just, she's like, here, he's presenting this broken heart to me. The last thing I want to do is crush this thing. Like I want to steward his heart really well. So that was shout out to Heather. Yep. And honestly, to validate how she was feeling, um, she probably felt relieved because she, she did. probably already had sensed like, oh, this is the problem. This yeah. is it. Yeah. Well, and she said that seven months that we were planting that I was being a real ass, you know, yeah. can I say that on this podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, you can say that. <laughs> she just was like pretty happy when I would leave the house, to be honest. She's like, well, he's, he's under a lot of stress planning the church, but I was the, the, the insidious thing about this kind of behavior is that when you're when you're frustrated and mad at yourself from living incongruent to your values, you're really you're so upset with with yourself and your actions, and you take it out on the people closest to you. Absolutely, you take it out on on inside the four walls in the people that are closest to you, and that is that's the ugly thing. My dad used to say when I was a kid, and his words like ran true, like you know the three phases of a father is like, my dad can do anything. My dad knows nothing. And my father used to say, and so I was like in my father used to say mode. I was like, Oh, dad used to say, sin will take you further than you wanted to go. Cost you more than you wanted to pay. And it'll keep you way longer than you wanted to stay. And those words were just like ringing true. Like it took me way further than I ever thought I would go than I ever planned on going. But the reality is you can't manage, you can't manage lust. You can't manage sexual brokenness. You can't control it. Well, and I just kind of had a thought as we were talking that you said that you were an ass more that towards the end towards. Yeah. So, so with that, so you were heavier than you ever were in it and you were also acting and you were also more meaner than you were ever in it. So the, so the thing is, is that people that are in it for a little bit, like what about like, I'm just going to look at porn here and there. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to be a little bit addicted, not a lot addicted. Yeah. Like the question is, is does it ever just stay? No. Okay. That's. No, it doesn't. I mean, and. and that's, that's yeah. a bull. I mean, be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and honestly, those, those kind of indicator, there's a set of indicator words that should go off like alarm bells in, in inside of your brain. Um, and that's like, it's only. It's just, 
It's not as bad as I used to be. It's not like those kind of indicator words. Next time it happens, I'm going to tell somebody this is the last time. Those, those phrases should just go off like alarm bells inside of us and go, okay, I actually need to, I, there actually needs to be disclosure. There actually needs to be confession. I actually need to sit down with a counselor. I need to sit down with a trusted friend. I need to, I need to tell my spouse, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's, there really is, Tiffany, there's no shortcuts. Pain. <laughs> it, it is. But here's, here's the yeah. deal. Here's what I was telling the guys Monday night. I was like, fellas, there's so much pain in hiding this thing. There's so much pain in secrecy. There's so much pain in just in, in living like, like that and living in addiction. That's, that's pain. Sure. There's pain in confession. Sure. There's pain in disclosure, but it leads to freedom. Yeah, the other part was way harder. Oh yeah, it that 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 pain hiding. just led to more pain. It did. It literally did. And all, not only more pain, but more um, acting out. More acting out. More hiddenness. Yeah, because that's you know, what makes me kind of like wow. Because you really, you really should try to w- talk yourself out of it for so many years. And it so just many got, years, and it just got worse. Yeah, so many years. I just find that you can't be addicted to a little bit. No, no. Because, I mean, you look at a mudslide or you look at a, like a landslide and you're like, whoa, that landslide happened on such and such a date. It's like, no, 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 no. That landslide, there's one out in the gorge, I think recently. That mudslide happened over time, over erosion over time. And that's if you're a Christian or not. Like you no. had, you had conviction. Yeah. That was one thing. Yeah. You felt conviction and it's still went that direction someone that doesn't feel the conviction it's still going to go in that direction totally it's still going to it's still going to steal kill and destroy and 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 that's and and that's why this principle you know i think even in a work environment let's say the addiction is to uh, is to lying maybe you just you lie about everything that that's it's going to it's like the pin has been pulled and unless there is a squaring up to, wait, why do I lie all the time? Why do I say I'm working on a project? Why do I say I've called that person back? Like even in a professional environment, um, it's, it's, it's going to explode. Like it's going to, and it, it, it will always demand more. And yeah. those lies, it's like those sitcoms where they just keep lying and lying and lying and yeah, lying. And, and you're and sitting there watching it like, go, oh God, just tell the truth. This well, is going to be a bomb and, drop. And what's crazy is that, that people behind your back you're you're not really hiding it from anybody. Like people know what's going on. They they there's something about that that, that where maybe like it's like trust that's being um, chipped away at or integrity is being chipped away at. So did I you th- have people that were like, oh, I knew it? Um. Besides, you know, I you know I did talk to a lady that was in those days and and just thought, you know, there was there's some maturing and growing up that needs that needs to happen. There there's a place of immaturity. And so I, I, I do, I think people probably saw that. They probably saw the immaturity. Um, there was actually um, physical, there was physical. Um, I was a lot heavier physically. I think I would probably, um, like my physical appearance probably started to match what was happening on the inside. Oh, okay. Um, weight gain. Okay. Um, so you just didn't not, look very well? No, no. I look way younger and better now than I did. Of course. <laughs> younger than 20. Yes. <laughs> no, but like, and, and just even things, even things, I'll just say that there was a lot of alignment that started to happen in okay. my life. Okay. Like for instance, I could never keep a garage clean. Like ever, ever, ever. We had a beautiful place and, and people would come in and it was like, okay, in all of the areas 
this is crazy. In all the areas where they could see, it looked beautiful. It was the areas they couldn't see that I couldn't keep things clean. Like I couldn't keep, I couldn't organize a garage, a closet, whatever. And that just, that mirrored who I was. Wow. Like that is a, that's a... Like on the inside, like I, I, was a, I was a mess. I was a wreck. But on the outside, I looked like I had it together. I had three great kids. I had a wife. You know, we had this ministry. People loved us. We were, you know, doing stuff. We were, yeah, I mean, we were well-loved. We were, all this looked great, but on the inside, man, things were a wreck. And so during the healing process, like my garage was organized and clean. Started losing weight. Like things that, I don't know, it's just, things just started coming into alignment. And I think people will find that's true is when you square up to one area, we're not silos. We're not a bunch of Tupperware containers inside a skin. What is silo? Is that from that movie? Just, we're not like, yeah. we're not, can, we're not like Robots. my spiritual life, my home life, my family life, my sex life, my, it, it's not all in separate containers. We're like, we're one being. And so and when there's areas that are, that are hidden in one area, it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be outflow into every other area. And that's whether you're a believer or not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's just, that's just if you're a person. And so until we square up to those, those issues and face them head on and cross the island, yeah, so to speak, you know, I don't, we think we can control things and we think we can manage things, but control is actually the reason that we got into this mess. Right. So it can't, so me trying to control doesn't get me out. It's actually surrender. That is the exact word I was going to say. I beat you to it. Yes, you did. You really did. That is the word. That is the ultimate word. And it's it's a simple word, yet it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's loaded. It's loaded. <laughs> it's loaded, but, but the outcome is better than not. Yeah. You know? Here's a thought. Um, again, putting on my pastor hat, and if this, I think this applies to everyone, no matter if you're a believer or not, but like Jesus... People are like, well, was it his will or was it his surrender? Did Was the cross an act of Jesus' will or was it an act of his surrender? And it was an act of his surrender. In the garden, it's recorded him saying, hey, if this can pass, if I don't have to cross the island, can, can we make that happen? Nevertheless, not my will, but surrender to his father's will, to God's will, which, is, yeah. which was the cross, which was... Um, you know, his plan for humanity. And so I think that my will power will never get me out of addiction or brokenness. It's, it's my surrendering and saying, you know what? I just, I trust that although this doesn't make sense, although this is going to be painful. And for me, I had to really, I had to, you know, release control, like control of, um, what my friends were going to think about me. Oh, absolutely. I I had to release control of, future of my job mm-hmm. I got fired by the way you know so did they just like you know what we don't think that yeah were... yeah basically like was it so that Sunday the church was gonna come out and then how long you said three weeks 10 days later oh 10 days they sat you down so, so we launched we launched and there was a bunch of people there and it was awesome and uh we were in Tigard Regal Cinemas and a bunch of people there it was it was awesome and then yeah 10 10 days later they said you know this is oh, I bet that sucked yeah that yeah hurt. But bet, yeah. hindsight, you know, life is better understood in reverse. 
best thing to ever happen to us. God brought us, I feel like he brought us from Alaska to pull the rug out from under us. Yeah. To, to face this stuff head on so that we would be positioned for the rest of our lives to, to, um, to be, you know, to, to live out, I believe what he's called us to live out. So, well, and that's kind of what I saw when I went to the collective, this church, and I saw you talking about it and I was just like, wow, not many people just like, yeah. I mean, I guess Jenny, um, she was saying on stage, like, that you're like Heather was there as well. And like said that your marriage, that it was a miracle or something. And, and I was just like, wow. And then you had disclosed that vulnerability. I mean, there is nothing more powerful in my opinion than transparency in that way on so many levels. It just gets right to the, I thought it was going to be repulsive to people. I thought my story was going to be, you know, I think again, that's, that's deception. Um, it's been magnetic. It's yeah, been, I mean, it's, it's, it's been like people come out of the woodwork you know, and what it does too is when we testify, I know we're, we're real churchy on this podcast, but it, when we tell our story, no, yeah. when we tell our story, there is something so profound about telling our story because we release other people from the prison of thinking that they're alone. Yes. I mean, that's the whole reason why this podcast exists, honestly, is just, you know, you're at home right now and maybe you are alone and you don't want anyone to even know that you're listening to this podcast about, about pornography, Yeah, you know, and I'm secretly addicted, you know, it's when six out of 10 people are addicted in the United (laughs) States. Guess what? Yeah. You're not alone. You're you're not alone. And, uh, it's been crazy. Like just the mag, the, the, it's been magnetic and people are, are just like, you know, it's, 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 it's not I feel relief. Oh, it's great. It's relief. And I told you earlier before we started recording, like I probably overshared at the beginning, like I'd sit down with a client cause, cause now I, I run a, along with pastoring, co-pastoring the collective with my wife and Bob and Jenny Donnelly. Um, I also run um, a video company called uh, Rose city media, Rose city business films. And, um, and so I would sit down with a client and, uh, and I'd tell them my story, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was in sexual brokenness. And we, and some people were just great with it. And other people would just look at me like, well, good for you. How much are we paying you? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I flew home to Alaska. Good for you. That's interesting. Yeah, I flew home to Alaska. I can't remember what they said, but it was, it was definitely like, oh, I might have overshared there. But we were committed to radical, um, ruthless truth-telling. Yeah. So that was part of our, part of our healing process. I don't know much how much time we have left. Are we like? Are we good? No, I mean, um, let's. What are we is just this? rolling. Yeah, we're rolling. So we're at fifty minutes. Um, usually, these are about forty-five. Do we want to stop and 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 then continue and this make a second episode? It's up to you. Yes. Okay. Okay, you guys, we're making another episode, so you're gonna have to hold on till next week. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye bye. You've been listening to this topical life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support this topical life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Front slash this topical life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.
for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. Because life ain't a vacation.